So, we are going to be in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. That is going to be on page 1062 if you're using one of our pew Bibles. And if you're using one of our pew Bibles, just to let you know, it could move away from being the word our to the be the word yours. Uh, those are free gifts. If you need a Bible in a translation that is readable, uh, we want to make those available to you so they're not just for decoration, they're not just for Sunday use, they can be yours. If you're looking for a Bible, it is yours. All right, so today we are going to look at another case being made from the Scriptures of why Jesus is indeed better. And not only is he better like in just a theoretical viewpoint, he is greater than Moses. Now, me just saying that sentence, for some of you that have been in church for a long time, you may say that is not the most shocking, rocking my world uh, statement I've ever heard. Of course, Jesus is greater than Moses. But I want to show you why that message was so important to the readers of Hebrews. When they received this letter, that was a big, big statement. That was not something little. It was not something that we would, as Christians today, should go, well, duh. It was huge, of such significant importance that it really shaped how they viewed Jesus. Now, for us today, it's hard for us to sometimes step into that place. Imagine someone saying, this new person, this new message is greater than your greatest hero, your greatest icon, your greatest cultural phenomenon. Imagine how that would be. It's, it's kind of hard for us sometimes to step into that place. So, I know some people have opinions about politics, and it's probably not really great to bring those up, but I'm going to bring them up anyways. Imagine someone saying, this president, whoever you may pick, filling the blank, is greater than Abraham Lincoln. Is greater than George Washington. You'd be like... Okay, they're cool, and I like them, and I, and I may support what they are, but that's like really stepping over some huge, huge gaps, right? That would be significantly tough to really bring and say, this is the case, why? You may feel like, oh, I can make that case now. That's not what we're here for. I want to give you that comparison to say, when Jesus came to show He was the one who was promised in the Old Testament and provided in the, the recent hearers, the recent lifetime of the readers of Hebrews, they're saying there has never been, nor will there ever be anyone greater than Jesus, even your greatest hero. So let's look at the case being made. This is Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to see what the Word says and show you why Jesus is Indeed, this architect and builder of, of the greatest house, God's greater house. So would you stand with me and honor God in the reading of His Word? The Word's going to be on the screen. I always encourage people to follow along in their copy of God's Word, whether it be in print, in a book form, or in digital. But this is what the text says. Therefore, 
holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses. Just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now, every house is built by someone, but the one who builds everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Let's pray. Lord God, we have read from your word and I pray that you would use it as you see fit. For those that have questions, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them and give them answers. For those of you, for those that are here that that need a, a fresh word, I pray that you would renew them. And I pray that all of us would be taught by you because you are the one who spoke them. You are the one who graciously preserved them. And today we are hearing them because of your grace and kindness for none of us made ourselves breathe the heart the the air in our lungs none of us made the heart tick this morning you woke us up and provided this day so that we might hear so let us not miss the significance of that in jesus name amen all right so the bible just spoke and said Jesus is worthy of more glory than Moses. And for the original hearers, they were Hebrew. They came from the Jewish culture. Many of them seem to have been wavering on whether they should go back to the practicing of the Jewish faith rather than staying faithful to this new church. This statement is big. It is radical news that they may not have been prepared to hear as we sometimes are prepared. We think in hindsight, of course, they should have known this. But here's what you need to know. For the Hebrew people, he, the, the, the person Moses, the man Moses, who was the deliverer of the people of Israel out of Egypt, was the iconic hero of heroes. There had never been someone so mighty who who stood in to be a redemptive force for the people of Israel. There had been never never been someone that God used so significantly to work so miraculously to have such a significant moment that even today the Jewish people celebrate what Moses did. Even today, Christians celebrate what Moses did. Even today, cultural Christians who may not be born again, but they are people that say, yeah, I have some kind of faith. They appreciate Moses. You know how I know this? 
because they will be faithful every spring to turn on the Ten Commandments and say, hey, y'all got to watch this movie that was made 60 years ago. It's a big deal. And Moses was not only significant because he was this used by God deliverer, this mighty man of faith, but because he also spoke and was a mediator between the people and God. Because he was the person that brought them to the place of God's presence, Mount Sinai, in the book of Exodus. He was the person that went up on the mountain to speak with God. He was the person that presented the Ten Commandments and the law. He was the person that led the people of Israel for 40 years in the wilderness and, and, and was there by their side. He was the person that wasn't completely sinless, but he died faithful to the Lord. And God upheld His ministry. He upheld the service of His servant. And there was no one higher than Moses. Second to Moses, you would have had the prophet Elijah. You would have had King David. And you would have had the patriarch Abraham. Those, those were the, the, the second tier. Moses was so far higher. But what is going on in the lives of these believers is in the middle of suffering, in the middle of now being identified with Jesus and saying, all of the Old Testament, those 39 books that you find before you get to Matthew, all of that are pointing to Him. And we have placed our faith in Him. And He has redeemed us. And He has transformed us. That message was incredibly costly. It would have isolated many in the Jewish culture for those that did not believe, that did not place their faith in Jesus. And for those that did, they would have been cut off sometimes from their families, cut off from their vocations, cut off from their communities. They would have been shunned. And whether we think that's just kind of an easy suffering you've never been shunned and cut off it's it's a difficult thing to walk through it is not easy so we could rationalize and say i understand why they're thinking well maybe i should just go easy on the jesus thing and just try to settle into the cultural traditional historical familial norms maybe it wouldn't be that big of a deal maybe i could just go back holding up Moses and keeping Jesus on the DL. It can be, it'll be a closet faith thing. But here the writer of Hebrews is warning, don't do this because Moses, as good and as great and as used by God as he was, is not near the worthiness found in Jesus. That's why when we come to God's Word and it gives us these difficult scenarios where we have to really examine and weigh what's there we have to say all right this is what the bible is saying and now i see what it means and i'm seeing the application of my life i've got to figure out what i'm going to do about it and today we're going to see why jesus is worthy of more because he is the architect and builder of god's greater household but a question arises what does it mean to belong to god's household under the one who is greater than Moses. If, if there's one that's greater than Moses, what does it mean to belong to that household? If, if he built it, if he's the architect, if he's the one worthy of praise, what does it mean to belong to that? What does it mean to have faith in him? What does it mean to, to 
become the person he's telling me to become? Well, first of all, what the author of Hebrews is, is putting onto paper as he's sending this to the churches is he says, behold the credentials you have as a saint. Just, just think about the incredible privilege you have in belonging to Jesus. And that's great credentials. Uh, credentials are a good thing. You, you probably have some credentials on you right now that you carry because you feel it's pretty necessary. Uh, some of your credentials may be that I carry an ID that says I am a citizen of this land. That in case you ever get pulled over, you're like, I'm, I'm a citizen. I belong here. Um, you may have credentials that say, I use this bank and it has my money. I don't have any money on me, but if you call them, they might get you some. Uh, you, you probably have one of those cards. That's what, that's what a debit card is. Basically, it's like, I don't have paper money on me, but I trust these people to keep it for me. Go get their money from them. You may have a passport whenever you go to certain lands and that kind of thing. And it says that you have a right to be in it. Those are your credentials. There are certain places you go that if you don't have the right credentials, you can just forget getting in. Because without those credentials, it says you don't belong here. We talked about that last week, that awkward feeling of being in a place where you kind of feel out of place. Maybe you were invited somewhere. And there's that recognition that the people around you, they're not like you. The person who owns this place, he doesn't walk in the same circles. I don't feel like I belong here. And for the Christian, when it comes to recognizing that with God, that's a good thing. It's a good thing because it keeps our pride level low. It it helps us understand that this God we talk about, he is not completely like us. He did put on flesh and he did walk this earth to be there and be our offering to be our substitute for us but he's still god and to be with him is a place that we really because of our sin don't belong but the bible says that whenever jesus came to be that offering for us why he's so much worthy is because he gives us credentials that no one else could that as saints we have credentials like no one else could and these credentials are that we become holy brothers and sisters that there's a holy brotherhood in belonging to jesus you may not think that's a big deal you may have heard people talking about brotherhood and sisterhood and the family of god and all that kind of thing and and certainly those are words that we as christians use but the key word is not the brotherhood and the sisterhood the key word is holy That little four-letter word that we translated to it in English, holy, that's a significant credential. Because without Jesus, you're missing that identity. It's not there. The Bible says that we all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Today we talked about in our connection group that we are all charity cases. Every single one of us. Because we don't have holiness apart from God giving it to us. We don't have peace with God apart from God giving it to us. We don't have an inheritance with God or a holy kingdom or heaven or anything without God giving it to us. We are all charity cases. 
And we could come together and say, well, I'm related to these people by blood and I work with these people at the shop and I went to school with these people and they cheer blue and they cheer green or that kind of thing. And we could form our own little familial affinities groups that says these are kind of people like me, but holy would not be there apart from Jesus. He gives us this credential. He says this is a part of what you have. You are made holy because of Jesus. And not only do you have that credential because of Him, you have a heavenly share. That's the other credential. You don't get heaven. You don't have a share in heaven without the credential that is Jesus. It's just not available. There is no amount of giving that would be large enough. There is no amount of good deeds that would be great enough. There is no amount of church attendance Stickers that you could have that would make you have the right to go to heaven. Now that seems bogus on our end. We're like, I mean, what about all these people that do good things? The Bible says that that salvation is found in no other name under heaven but the name of Jesus. Without that credential, without Him, that referral, it doesn't matter what your resume says. It's good that we have a good resume. It's good that we do good works. In fact, because of Jesus, we should want to do good works. We should be spurred on to do good works. But none of those earn salvation. None of those get you the credential. You have to have Jesus. And the writer's saying, because you are, if you are believers, because you are holy brothers and sisters who share in this heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Don't lose sight of Jesus. A few weeks ago, we talked about the chapter 2 here where it says, pay attention, do not neglect, do not be distracted, do not drift. It says, consider Jesus and who He is, who the Word of the Old Testament promised and confessed that He would be, and who we as believers confess He is. Here it uses two phrases here. It says that He is the Apostle and High Priest of our confession. That our confession, our very word should be saying, Jesus is the Apostle. Now here's a unique little tidbit. This is the only time, only place in the entire Bible it gives Jesus the title of Apostle. Now I know that in some cultures, in some denominations, that title may be flying around. That's not what I'm getting into today. But what it means for Jesus to be labeled as a an apostle means he was a commissioned sent one that god the father sent jesus and jesus the son received that commission and was willing to be sent and so in that word alone we we don't need to miss out that our god is a mission sending god he is a sending out god That He did this for His Son, and we who bear that identity are also sent out just as He was. But we can't miss that Jesus was sent because the Father sent Him, but also that He was sent because He chose to go. He chose to come. And and when we declare Jesus, we're saying, He is the one that was willing to come for me. He was the one one that was willing to To share amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. 
That's a huge, big difference when it comes to God. When it comes to the, the philosophies of this world that say that God would be willing to meet you part of the way if you live a certain status life. If, if your resume meets a certain quota, then God may meet you. That is not what the Bible says. The Bible says there is no resume good enough. And yet Jesus willingly came because He loved you in a greater love than you could ever know. Not only was He sent but he was sent to be the mediator. He was sent to be the appointed high priest. The book of Hebrews is also the only place where you, you see the word high priest used of Jesus over and over again. 17 times it uses that phrase. So, you know, if you're writing a letter and you kind of use the same words over and again, you're probably saying, don't miss this, it's important. That Jesus is the one who was sent but he's also the one who was substitute. He says, I will go to that holy place. I will live that sinless life that no one else can get to. And I will die the death they deserve so they can have the life that I give them. I will be that mediator. Now I know in, a, in the Baptist frame of mind, for those that grew up Baptist or grew up Protestant, the idea of peace, that's just... We can read it in the Bible, but sometimes we just don't really understand it. We don't understand having a need for someone to be our substitute, be, to be our mediator. And the Bible makes it clear, we have no mediator, we need no mediator other than Jesus. So I'm not saying you guys need to find out and find someone to be your substitute, to be your absolution, to be your spokesperson. No, the Bible says that only one person is found in Jesus. But we need to recognize even if it's not a part of our normal viewpoints, how big it is that Jesus holds this title. That Jesus did accomplish this work. That Jesus is that person and that gift, that grace, is why Jesus is worthy of more praise. You see, Moses, he was sent by God. And Moses was a mediator in a lot of ways. But no, Moses could never pay the penalty for the people. Moses could never save them beyond leading them on this life. He could never prepare them for that heavenly share. But Jesus can. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is better. Jesus designs and builds. He is the architect of a greater household. What does it mean to belong to God's household? Well, it means the new credentials that you have as saints. It means the confession we have of our Savior. And it means the consideration of the service that Jesus provided. His service. And it holds up two cases. It holds up Moses and it holds up Jesus. It says in, in verse 2, it says that Moses, he was appointed just as Jesus was to be a part of God's household. But we need to look at what Moses has done, that he was worthy of honor for what he accomplished, but what he accomplished, as good as it was, was insufficient. What we need to do when it comes to the Old Testament is not tear it out, toss it out, not learn about it, but to recognize what it told us about the promises of God and what God was doing and what God was going to do. But left alone, the Old Testament is insufficient without the New Testament. And the New Testament is insufficient without the Old. 
We need it all because it tells us about this greater work of God who built a household, who established His name through a people of faith and is still using that people of faith because of what Jesus has done, even here and now as we experience Him, not only by examining the past, but experiencing Him here and now, that He is still using these people to be of His service. But we don't need to miss out on what Jesus did, not only as the Son, but the one who came to serve. It tells us in verses 3 and 4, Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. So here's the logic here. When we look at a house, we don't look at it and say, man, house, you built yourself up pretty good. We don't do that. In fact, if you look at this building, some of you were here when it was built or added on to, and you can sit there and think, I, I am so thankful for the men and the women that were here. They're, they're pulling wire and they're laying brick and, and they're getting up in the rafters. You, you remember them and, and you, you say, This is an impressive building, but I'm so thankful that someone built it. Because without someone building it, it wouldn't be built. Tracking that logic. People don't say, look, wow, Christianity, that kind of looks good. Or, Or the idea of heaven, that sounds great. Thank you, heaven, for existing. They say, God, thank you that you are the one who built a people. You're the one that made it possible. You are the one that made the promise and has provided it. You are the one worthy of more honor than the place. You are the person. We need to consider who you are, what you have done. This doesn't just happen. It's because God made it possible. And He did it, not because He had to, but because He wanted to. Because of His grace to His people. That is the consideration we need to have when we look at what is being built up by God. But lastly, why is Jesus better? Why does it mean to belong to a household that says this person we follow is greater than any who went before Him, any who exists today, and any who would come? What does it mean to belong to one that's greater than Moses? Well, not only to see what He's done in the past, but to see the completion of it. To see the completion of it. It says Moses was faithful Verses 5 through 6. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household. It's, it's not discounting what Moses has done. It's letting us know the Old Testament is still good for us. And as a testimony to what would be said in the future. He was giving a glimpse of this is what God is doing now. But the greater hope is what is to come. But Christ, the one who was to come, and the one who is going to return one day, Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Jesus was the son who also served. The idea here is that God the Father has built something significant. And the one that he sent was not a spoiler. He wasn't someone who, who came and just like, you know who.
dad is. Let me tell you something. He didn't act like a brat. He didn't ruin the name of the household. He was faithful to carry it flawlessly. That's the picture we get of Jesus being faithful over His household. That, that, that what Moses done was faithful as a servant, but Jesus took on that role and more. He served faithfully and He represented the name of His household faithfully. And that we are the one who reap the benefits. So this completion work of the Son, it shows us that God began this work by placing servants in the house and we're to learn from them. But then He gave us the heir of the house. He says, not only do I give you servants, but I want to give you the heir. I want you to see full evidence. This is the one who built it. This is the one who owns it. This is one that has the deed to it. This is one that has the rights to it. This is the one whose word will last. And we have made Him clear for you so that you would have an understanding Jesus is no pushover. Jesus is not some little man to be put in a closet. Jesus is the one who owns it all. He's the one who built it all. And He has made Himself known to all. And because of God and His great work, completing His great work by saying, I've placed servants to show you the way and I've given you My Son so that you would know He's the one worthy of trust. I am telling you to persevere in your faith knowing that what I do is complete. It is not lacking. It is not missing parts. That when you have me, you have all you could ever need. You have the one who has promised I will never leave you or forsake you. You have the one that says if I'm sending you, I give you and equip you with the words and the resources to go and accomplish that which I have called you to This is what it means to live in such a great household who has a greater worth, who is better. Today, I don't know where you are in in your walk with Jesus. You may be a precious saint here, a a, a fellow holy brother or sister in Christ, and and, and yet find your faith wavering and, and find that I'm having difficulty persevering and Jesus would remind you He is greater. Trust in Him. Return to Him if you need to repent. And see His overwhelming grace and goodness to each and every one of us. None of us deserve it. Even the cleanest cut, uh, nicest person you could ever say. We're all charity cases and He still welcomes us. Today you may be in this room and, and maybe you can't really honestly take that label of holy brother or sister saint. You don't have that credential. Because you have still tried to build your life and find your peace in something else. And Jesus is saying, what I've done is complete. And I've chosen this moment to show you I choose you. I draw you. I am kind to you. Now you receive me. See what I have done to show you that I am worthy of more honor, that I am the best. Not because I'm some prideful spoiled person but because i gave my best for you this is what he is calling us this is what he is reminding us also to share with the world that's showing us why do you celebrate this jesus because there's no one like him there's no one more worthy than him and there's no one who loves you more than he ever could that's why i want to tell you about the jesus who is better Let's pray.
Lord God, today I just ask that um, as we enter this time of response, that it would be a time that is holy and pleasing to You. And I don't know what, what needs to be done between the, the individuals in this room, between You and them. But You do. Not one, not one instance is, is missing from Your knowledge of what needs to be done. And I pray You would make it known just impactfully, distinctively, with urgency what it needs to be done to follow you for the one who is a believer and for the one who is not. Show them what it means to trust in you who is worthy of such trust today. The one who loves him so desperately. As we come to this time, help us respond appropriately as you would lead us. Let us follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Each week we have a time of response. Some people call this an invitation. Some people would call it an altar call. Whatever title you give it, this is the reason we have this. We recognize that when God's word speaks to us, it calls for response. No matter who we are, no matter where we think we are, all of us must respond to what God powerfully proclaims to us from his word. And so we want to give people that time to respond. Because there could be people in this room, you could be one who does not have peace with God, and we would love to show you the way to find peace through Jesus Christ. If that's you today and you say, I need salvation, I need peace with God, I would love to help you Know what it means to trust in Him. And if God is making that known on your heart, that doesn't mean He's saying, you need this. I am presenting this to you out of my grace to you. For others in this room, like I said, you may already know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, but somewhere in that following, it ain't following. Something's skipped a step. Something's missed a, a, a stone or whatever. And, and you know what? You found that I'm having difficulty with peace because you've been living in disobedience. And God's saying, I'm making this known to you so that you would find that restored, continued way with me. Whatever it is, I'm going to be at the front. If you need to make these steps a place of prayer and say, I need to get on my knees and just spend some time with Jesus. I don't need to be your priest. Once again, you don't need any other priests. Jesus already fills that role. You can come and pray. You can pray where you are, right around these steps. If you need someone to talk to, though, I will be counsel. I will help you. I will do my best to answer questions. I will do my best to help you take that next step. But here's the thing. I cannot do it for you. It requires a response on your behalf to the gracious work God has made known to you that is complete.